I get all my paraphernalia around <laughs> so I can read. Good morning, everybody. Uh, last week, Dan delivered a really super message, and I got to listen to it this, this week because I'm normally down at the end of the hall. Uh, the conclusion I came out of that with was that uh, uh, we're all in the business of saving lives, period. That's what Christ called us to do as a disciple. And I want to share with you what motivates me to be one of his disciples. Anybody ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? I've, I've watched it two or three times. I think it's the, it, it's the most graphic depiction. It's horrific. It makes me sick to my stomach. But every time I've watched it, I wind up in tears. Knowing that that's what Christ did to pay for my sins. And you know what kind of a burden that puts on me? I don't want to stress anybody else out, but I can never do anything enough to repay what he did for me. And you know what motivated him to do that? Love. His love for me and for you and for you and for you. Because of that, I can never say no when Christ calls. I can't. It's impossible for me to do that. So when the LBA and the pastor contacted me about assisting them with some long-term planning stuff, uh, basically uh, a uh, uh, secession planning and sabbatical, uh, the first thing I did was I, I put to pull the Bible out and and I actually did this before our meeting because God told me what we were going to be talking about. And I looked to make sure it was scripturally sound. And secession planning and sabbatical are covered in scripture going back thousands of years. It is something that is valid for us as, 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 a, as a church organization. So I'm, what I'm going to cover today really is to take a look, a quick look at both of those and then progress on from that. So if, we, if I can, uh, I, I literally found, let's take a look at, at uh, sabbatical first. I found thousands, no, not thousands. I, I didn't dig that deep. Once I reached uh, uh, triple figures, I quit looking. But in Scripture, I found that many examples of sabbatical, which is nothing more than getting away from the, the demands of the time to look at what's my connection with God. You know, what is he telling me? I've so been so busy doing stuff, I've, I've forgotten that I really needed to look at him first before I ever did anything. And that's all sabbatical is talking about. I, I, I've got a bunch of scripture selections here. I'm not going to burden you with all of them, but I would like to just touch on a couple of them to make sure that we understand that... Uh, it is a very valid thing. The first one I want to look at is uh, in uh, Matthew uh, 4, 1 through 4. And it's basically about the 40 days that Christ spent in the desert just as he was getting ready to start his ministry. And Matthew 4, uh, 1 begins, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. 
after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, to say the least. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Forty days and forty nights, and then he's got to be a little weak, and the devil comes up and says, do this. And he says, no, you know, my Lord is my Lord. That's who I will answer to. Uh, Could he have been as strong in that had it happened before he went through this 40 days of suffering, starving? I don't think so. I think that got him closer to God. Um, The second one I'd like to cover with you is uh, John uh, uh, 6, 14, and 15. And it basically deals with a a great triumph on his part. He had just delivered the Sermon on the Mount. He'd fed four or 5,000 people with a couple of fish and a loaf of bread. A a, a miraculous thing. You know, you would think, well, he's got to be really zipped up. Well, it wasn't. He was spiritually drained because all those people taking energy from him. And right after that happened, and after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, in other words, rebellion, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He went off by himself to get his head straight. All that success, all that emotion, that many people idolizing him, and he knew that that wasn't what he needed. He needed to be closer to God, not closer to the secular world. So he got away by himself. And that's nothing more than a sabbatical. That's right. I got a couple more here. Uh, the, the one in the garden at Gethsemane, knowing what he had to do the day, the next day, that he was going to suffer this terrible beating, that he was going to be crucified and die and be placed in the tomb. He went to be alone with God. He took his 12 closest followers with him, and I think he took them as part of the second piece, which is secession plan. He wanted to help train them. And you're going to face the same thing I'm facing. You're going to give your life for your belief. Here's what you need to do. You need to go talk to God and be alone with him to have the strength to accept that in your life. I'm not going to burden you with the, uh, uh, the scripture there, but it's in Matthew 26, 36 through 45, if you want to read it. Uh, my conclusion from all this is that anyone who calls himself a man or a woman of God needs time away from the day-to-day demands to be alone with God. That's where your strength comes from. That's where my strength comes from. So my conclusion is that the sabbatical is a very, very good thing. Now, I, I've heard rumblings that, well, was the pastor is going to retire as soon as he comes back from sabbatical. <laughs> Believe me, I've talked with him enough times. His desire and hope is that he can be in this ministry for another five to ten years. That's if that's God's plan. 
I mean, his plan might be that Steve passes away next week. We don't know. I don't know when I'm going. No man knows the number of his days. He may have terrible health problems. Diana may have health problems. But his immediate plan is he's going to be around for another five or ten years. What he's going to be doing in this sabbatical is getting a clear focus and picture of what are we going to do for that next five or ten years. What is our ministry going to become? Because it's going to be different two years from now than it is today. I can guarantee you that. I've gone through a sabbatical once in my career. And at the end of that sabbatical, I had a whole different picture of what the Kellogg organization should become. Wasn't totally successful, gained a few things, lost a few battles, but I knew where we needed to go if we needed to, if we were going to be a long-term organization. So with that, I think we've covered enough on sabbatical for right now. So let's, let's kind of shift to secession planning. And all secession planning means to us, it's, it's a long-term thing, but it's getting, it's getting our leaders prepared to be in God's work, which is saving lives. Now, that makes me wonder then, uh, anybody in here think they're a leader? Not very many hands went up. I want to stand here and tell you every single person in this room is a leader because being a leader is nothing more than being able to influence people. So we're going to do another show of hands now. Is anybody in here a parent? Is anybody in here a spouse? Keep your hands up, guys. A spouse. Anybody in here a teacher? Anybody in here ever hire anybody to do any work for you, like a mechanic or... Anybody in here got a friend? Every hand should be up now, right? Well, how come they're not? I'll be your friend. Every one of those influences people. That's all it is. Leadership, you know, we, 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 when we talk leadership, we keep thinking about, oh, you know, the President of the United States and uh, the Premier of, uh, of uh, Russia and the leader of North Korea. That's not, those are just figureheads. All being a leader is, is being able to influence people. And every single person in this room is capable of influencing someone else. You do it as a friend. You do it as a parent. You do it as a teacher. When you hire somebody, you certainly influence them (laughs) because you're expecting certain work done. So let's take a look at at what Scripture actually says about leadership or about secession planning. Now, there are so many examples there, much more than the sabbatical even, literally thousands. And you look at secession planning, it starts in the Old Testament, and it goes all the way through the New Testament. It's nothing more than being ready to fill the next leadership void. Because I can tell you that one, from working with a lot of organizations as a consultant, the last thing you ever want to see happen in an organization is lose a leader and, not, and it be unexpected. Many organizations don't even survive that. They fold. They go under. So I wanted to look at probably the best secession planning person that I've ever seen, and that's Christ. When you stop to think what he did, he started a ministry after 40 days in the wilderness, getting his head around, how do I do this and what am I doing? 
And he started a ministry by selecting two first disciples. Then he selected a third one. And before he was done, he had 12. And what are those? Those are the people that are going to replace him because he knows he's going to die on the cross. So I've got to be ready to have 12 people to start out and keep going. Now, interestingly enough, and I have missed this in Scripture a number of times, he actually selected 72 disciples. And I think that's the one I'm going to touch on uh, for you. Uh, I'm going to skip these about calling Peter and Andrew and Matthew and and even about... No, Luke 10, 1 through 2. Let me find my notes. There it is. Luke 10. Now, just prior to this, uh, in uh, Matthew 10, 1 through 4, Christ had sent the 12 disciples out. He had been training them for some months. He had them equipped to go forth and basically be evangelists to recruit people. And he sent them out. And they came back so successful, they were ecstatic. And he actually had to subdue their enthusiasm because he knew all 12, all but 11 of them were going to give their lives doing this ministry. And shortly after that, then, in Luke uh, 10, 1 and 2, Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest fields. So he's gone from one person to 12 to 72. He's got a pretty good organization put together. But let's stop for a second now and think about what that organization did over the next 2,000 years. How many Christians are there by census in the world today? It's in the millions. These 72 didn't do that. Start with, they all died almost 2,000 years ago. So who did that? It was additional disciples, additional leaders who were selected, recruited, trained, prepared, motivated to go forth and keep spreading Christ's message of love and doing the work of Dan, saving lives. And they did it for 2,000 years, literally thousands. And you know how many Christians have been martyred in the last 2,000 years trying to do this work? Millions, again. They paid the ultimate price. But what motivated them? Christ's love. His willingness to go on the cross, pay for their sins, motivated them to do this work. Now, what are all of us called to do as Christians? Spread Christ's words, right? Save more lives. I don't know how that makes you feel, 
but it makes me feel very small and very humble and like I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. I need to be serving Christ to try in some way to compensate for what he underwent for my sake. That's about the strongest motivation I can have. Just, You know, I'm getting pretty old. And the last time I was asked to do something by the church, I said, no, I'm too old. And I was reminded that Caleb, one of Joshua's, one of the tribal leaders under Joshua, was was actually jumped up and volunteered to go tackle the toughest opponents they had in the mountains. And he was 78 years old. So you're never too old. You're never too young. You're never too weak. You're never too impaired. And trust me, I'm impaired dramatically. But I also can't say no. Not when Christ calls. I can't say it. And what's he calling us to do? To go forth and be leaders of the Christian faith. Now, he's not asking us to be president of the United States. All he's asking us to do is try and encourage other people to have the same love in our life that Christ has put into each and every one of us. So I guess what I'm telling you is everybody sitting in this room needs to respond to that call. I need to respond more strongly. So where does that leave us? Well, anything, interestingly enough, Christ spent time preparing those 12 and those 72. He didn't just grab them and say, get, go, do. He prepared them. And the church has plans of doing that. I'll touch on it in a little bit more detail in a, in a couple of minutes, but... Um, I'll shift gears slightly, and then I'll come back to that preparing part. Uh, Dan covered in a lot of detail last week uh, the places, people, and uh, programs. And from a place standpoint, we're setting pretty good right now. We've got the facility to do a whole lot more with a whole lot of people than we're doing today. From a program standpoint, we are far ahead of where we were just three years ago on programs. We're not there yet. There's more programs that need to be implemented, performed. Uh, we've got a lot of those programs that have formal leadership. There's either a coordinator, a director, or someone who's kind of in charge and is helping guide the activity. Uh, we've got a, a fair number of programs. <laughs> she does about that many on about a third of what we've got organized and, 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 and uh, 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 staffed. We've got another third of, of that off to the side that are informal programs that are operating today, but they're not, they don't have permanent leadership in place. It's either a, a intermittent leadership or it's a, uh, uh, well, we'll just do it. And there's really nobody in charge at all. There are some of those programs on that third list that we absolutely need to implement. They don't exist today. The size we are now with the world that we live in, we're very concerned about our children's safety and security. We've, we've got some security systems in place. That's where I normally am every Sunday morning is down at the end of the hall, making sure that we don't have strangers walk into our children's area so we can protect them. That that actually, all those children's programs need to be formalized, and we actually need a program auditor 
We need somebody in a leadership position that ensures that those programs are working. And there's more like that. There's things we need to be doing that we're not today, and we need leadership in place for those. Uh, Let's shift gears back now to that leadership piece I was talking about in terms of Christ preparing. Uh, We're going to be offering uh, not extensive training, just familiarization to make people more comfortable being in a leadership position. Uh, We're going to offer some tidbits that will make it easier for you to do that type of a role or that will make you more influential. And they're nothing more than common sense things. It's like listening to people when they're talking to you. (laughs) You know, looking them in the eye and maybe even going to the point of saying, okay, what you're saying is to demonstrate that you truly heard what they said. I can't tell you how much that impresses people. When you're actually demonstrating that you're listening and comprehending what someone's telling you, you've influenced them dramatically. They will listen when you talk. So we're going to be doing some of that. The first approach at this will be on uh, September 24th, uh, right after church, so call it about noon. We will be providing food. It will not be more than two to three hours long, and it's just going to be an introduction to leadership. And the type of leadership, this is one of the things we're going to cover in the program as well, is what the various types of leadership are. And there's a number of types. Uh, there is authoritarian, you know, like... Uh, the military, you're, you, you obey because you're told to obey. But the one that Christ demonstrated was uh, uh, servant-based leadership, which is a lot different than organizational authority, being the boss. It's the person that helps everybody else the most, the one has the most influence. That's servant leadership. You can see what it did for Christ. I mean, he got 12 to volunteer. He got 72 to volunteer. All 11 of those 12, we know, died a martyr's death. Most of those 72 were, were killed, too. At least died at some point. But that, that, leader, that servant leadership is a different form of leadership, and it's what's grown the Christian church to the size it is today. So we'll be covering all those things. Uh, it's open, youth group, up through the oldest person in this room, which is probably Jerry, right? <laughs> And he's only got me by nine months. (laughs) So it's basically open. Uh, We're going to be actually encouraging people over the next uh, three weeks, basically, to sign up for it. Uh, We're going to be doing more of them. There'll be another one probably for first of the year. There'll be another in the next year. And we're actually going to be looking at ramping up what we're covering. If we're doing some leadership programs a year from now, they're going to be a different content. They're going to be a little bit more focused on developing specific skills. We're going to try and at least help you understand what some of those skills are. But and again, they're no more than just common sense. If somebody asks you to do something uh, and you agree, you do it, right? Because if you don't do it, what happens? Your credibility is gone. So that's the type of things we're going to be looking at. Uh, with that, I really covered everything I wanted to cover this morning with you. So I think, uh, if I may, I will close in prayer and ask God to really put a burden on everyone's heart in this room to go forth, be a leader, and save lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given. Lord, we praise you for the, 
the wonderful life that you've given each and every one of us, the joy of, of uh, focusing on you as the center of our life. Lord, I do ask that uh, from this moment on, you place a burden on every person in this room to consider what we've been sharing here today, what we've been thinking about, what we've been talking about, uh, the example of Christ's life, uh, what he, what, the price that he paid for us to have this, this joy of knowing that we will be in paradise forever with you. Uh, Lord, help, help us to sort through what can I do, uh, no matter how small a portion it may be, can I step forward and do just a little bit more than I am? Because, Lord, I know that I can. Uh, I know I should. And too often I let this the, the day-to-day activities become almost overwhelming, and so suddenly I'm no longer focused on following you, and I'm focused on following myself. And, Lord, I know that gets me in trouble. Only when I focus on following you is, is life truly worth living. Lord, I ask that you bless every person in this room, that you, uh, you shower us with uh, your, 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 your protection, because we do have an opponent out there, Lord. Satan is a powerful force. And we know with, with your protection, O oh Lord, we can overcome anything he may throw at us. Oh Lord, we thank you in Jesus' holy name.